We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon football just landed a big commitment out of the transfer portal, and we're going to be breaking it down from all angles on today's episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Hope everybody is having a phenomenal day. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, coming to you on Saturday, May 13th, 2023. Ducks just landed a big commitment from USC wide receiver transfer Gary Bryant Jr., out of the transfer portal, Dan Landing and the Ducks continue to add instant impact talent to their 2023 roster. And we're going to be breaking down what this commitment means for Dan Landing and the Oregon football team. So just kind of breaking this one down, what was the story with, with Gary Bryant Jr., right? If you followed recruiting for a while, you kind of know the story with Gary Bryant. But just in case you haven't, I'm going to go ahead and tell you part of that story because now he's heading to Eugene. So Gary Bryan Jr. originally signed with the USC Trojans as a four-star wide receiver in the class of 2020, coming out of Corona Centennial High School in Southern California. His rundown as a recruit, looking at the 247 sports rankings, he was a four-star, like I mentioned, rated 0.9766 on the 247 sports composite, the number 46 player in the country the number seven wide receiver, and the number five recruit in the state of California. Uh, Gary Bryant had 23 reported scholarship offers, but you know when it came down to make a decision, came down to time to make a decision, he chose the USC Trojans at the Adidas All-American Bowl in San Antonio. Uh, other hats that were on the table, you had Arizona State, you had Oklahoma, uh, you had Washington, and of course, you guessed it, Oregon. Oregon did have a hat on the table and was a finalist for Gary Bryant Jr. coming out of high school, but he would eventually stay home to play his college football, and he spent three years with the Trojans uh, playing under Clay Helton at USC. And um, with, with Gary Bryant Jr., you know, wasn't necessarily the most productive wide receiver, while he was at USC, uh, which I think has been a bit of a talking point in recent weeks around the Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting community, uh, seeing that there were some other options in the transfer portal, right? Um, you know, you have a guy like Zachary Franklin, 
who was the leading wide receiver at UTSA. The past couple of years under Will Stein caught over 90 passes in 2022 for over 1,100 yards. So crazy productive, but I would think, I'm, maybe I have to do a little more digging here, but I would think that with Gary Bryant Jr. committing to Oregon uh, on Saturday that he is probably, Franklin that is, is probably not going to be going to Oregon. I'm kind of surprised that he's still in the transfer portal. Um, I thought he would have, you know, found a home by now, but you never know. Time will tell. Um, so back to Gary Bryant, you know, three seasons at USC and he played in 15 total games and 2021 was really Gary Bryant's best year while he was at USC, right? Played in 10 games, caught 44 passes for 579 yards and seven touchdowns. The only other production, you know, at the receiver spot worth noting, played in five games as a true freshman in 2020, seven catches for 51 yards, and that's about it. But 2021 is really that year where I think Oregon, this Oregon staff probably hung their hat on their evaluation. They said, hey, he he made some noise in 2021. I We like what we saw from Gary Bryant Jr. in, in 2021. And the story with Gary Bryant kind of continued in 2022, but it took a pretty sharp turn. You know, there was a big change in Los Angeles. Lincoln Riley comes over from Oklahoma and one of the biggest moves in the coaching carousel in college football. And I think that was, I want to say the, the move that kind of started the coaching carousel on a national scale, right? You know, Lincoln Riley wasn't the only coach that moved uh, prior to the 2022 season, right? I think you had Brian Kelly going to LSU. Um, what other ones do you have? Um, oh man, I'm kind of blanking on, on other ones at, at the moment, but that was a big move, right? So Lincoln Riley comes to USC and, um, he doesn't come alone, right? You know, a lot of guys followed him from Oklahoma. Recruits followed him from Oklahoma. You got Malachi Nelson, uh, an All-American quarterback out of Los Alamitos who flipped from Oklahoma to USC. You have Relik Brown, the top all-purpose back in the country, uh, who flipped his commitment from Oklahoma to USC. So we knew right away that Lincoln Riley was going to be able to attract talent and then really kind of depleted a lot of the best weapons on the Sooners roster because they said, Hey, I don't want to be playing my football in, in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to go out to the West coast. I want to play my college football in Hollywood at the Coliseum and that, you know, bright sunshine, you know, all the great things that people say about uh, the USC program. I'll, I'll dial it back a little bit because I know my Oregon fans don't want to hear too much good stuff about USC, but all that to, to say Lincoln Riley added three huge names, really, uh, out of the transfer portal, right? Caleb Williams is the biggest one. But then you also have Jordan Addison, an electric wide receiver who comes over from Pittsburgh. And then he said, oh, hey, uh, that, that guy, Mario Williams, yeah, he was pretty good. Let's go ahead and, and, and bring him over. Let's, let's, let's add him to this room and, and see what we can do uh, in, with that offense in, in Los Angeles. So those two guys joined this wide receiver room and, you know, pretty quickly – it became apparent that Gary Bryant Jr. was kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what I mean by that is that he kind of got buried in the depth chart. You know, you see it at schools all across the country, you know, in, in today's era of the coaching carousel being as wild as it is combined with the transfer portal, guys hit the portal and they already know where they're going to go. They follow their head coach because they, they feel like they're going to have a role. 
with that head coach when they play with him again at, at their next spot. So all that to say, Jordan Addison and Mario Williams didn't transfer to USC to sit on the bench. So that room's loaded. You had another uh, some other guys like Brendan Rice, who was a, a really good receiver for, for USC. Um, I'm, I'm probably missing a couple, but that room is loaded, especially with the transfers that, uh, that you bring in. I know they also added a wide receiver from Washington, Terrell Bynum, I think is his name. So all of those guys come into that room. CJ Williams was in that room as well, and a former modern day standout. Uh, and all those guys come in the room, and then Gary Bryant's just kind of fighting for a spot. And uh, when you bring in that many guys from the portal, especially at one position, it, it kind of has the writing on the wall a little bit. So Gary Bryant didn't play a whole lot in 2022, ends up taking a red shirt. So all that to say that I think that's another layer of the impact that we can get into a little bit later in this episode, the impact of Gary Bryant Jr.'s commitment to Oregon. This guy has three years of eligibility left. And I feel like that's probably part of the reason that you take Gary Bryant, right? Troy Franklin, stud, stud of a wideout. If you think he's playing for Oregon in 2024, I think you might have a couple of fans that would push back with you on that because he's trying to go first round in 2023. So all that to say, he's probably playing his last year of football with the Ducks in 2023. And then Dan Lanning, Junior Adams, look at Gary Bryant and they say, hey, there's a guy that we missed on the first time around. Now he wants to be a duck now that he's in the portal and he can play for us for more than one year. He's not just a quote unquote rental uh, guy. Right. So I think that's part of the equation here with Gary Bryant jr. So that's really the the story with, with Gary Bryant jr. You know, highly touted recruit for, you know, for some background, right. Highly touted recruit coming out of the high school rankings out of Corona Centennial, one of the better programs in Southern California in the Inland empire, um, so he, he comes out of high school there and he ends up, you know, kind of following in a little bit of that, you know, traditional, uh, story that we've seen with USC recruiting, right. It's not so much happening nowadays necessarily, at least not before Lincoln Riley got to, to USC. And that is the top players staying home. You know, Bryce Young, he was committed to USC for a while. Then he had a change of heart and he said, Hey, let me go win some natties. Let me go win a Heisman trophy and, and go first overall, um, in the NFL draft after playing his high school ball at Rancho Cucamonga and then transferring to modern day, I believe was his, his timeline and, and where he was uh, playing. So Gary Bryant is now at Oregon and, and we have to talk a little bit more about what kind of a player he is um, because he, he had a really stellar high school career and then had some good moments in college, but maybe not the, the kind of career or not the kind of production that I think some fans maybe were hoping for to, to justify taking another wide receiver in a very loaded room. So the thing with Gary Bryant, he's 5'11", 180 pounds on the 2022 USC wide receiver roster, uh, the USC roster. Um, and I think when people are looking at Gary Bryant Jr. and kind of the player that he is and, and what he brings to the table, well, this is just kind of another slot wide receiver. You know, if you're an Oregon fan, you might be asking yourself, don't we already have a guy kind of like Gary Bryant Jr., maybe another Southern California native, talking about Chris Hudson? Or do we already have another slot receiver that we got this offseason, Tez Johnson, who put on a show in the spring game and really showed why he's a special talent? I think that's the key difference between Chris Hudson and Tez Johnson is just, 
Tez kind of seems to have that that extra gear to him, and we saw that on display. But Chris Hudson's a solid receiver, man. Like, do do not take that as any kind of a slight to, to Chris Hudson. But I'm just kind of trying to draw comparisons and, and you know fill you in on what kind of guy the Ducks just got. But this is a guy who has really good ball skills. Um, you know, I'm looking at some highlights from the UCLA game in 2021, and he had a number of good catches in that game, whether it's in traffic or whether it's toward the sideline. Um, he has good ball skills and he's able to track the ball too. You know, a number of, of over the shoulder, uh, over the shoulder grabs or, you know, catching the ball with a defender right in his face and still staying in bounds. So this is a guy who I think is, is pretty technically sound. Right. And, and I think junior Adams probably looks at Gary Bryant and says, Hey, like kind of like we were saying with Jordan Birch, right? Maybe it's a little bit of a similar story here. Jordan Birch spent some time at Southern, uh, South Carolina, had some flashes, but but didn't necessarily show, man, this is this is the kind of guy we thought we were going to get when we got, you know, a, a former five-star recruit out of high school. Maybe that's the same thing with Gary Bryant. Now Jordan Birch is at Oregon and he's got everybody saying, man, look at that dude. That's not the kind of guy that Oregon typically has. That's not a typical Pac-12 defensive lineman, you know, 6'6", 275. Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy, Tony Tuioti, they can take his game to the next level. And if you look at Oregon's wide receivers from last year, they they put on a pretty good show. You know, Troy Franklin steals the steals the the spotlight, but for good reason. He was so quiet in 2021, maybe in part because he was a true freshman, but Oregon just didn't pass the ball very much with Mario Cristobal, right? Um, and they had a really good coach at wide receiver in Brian McClendon. Um, but all that to say that Junior Adams, I think, really took Troy Franklin's game to the next level. And I think that he's got even another level that he can take Troy Franklin's game to. And then Chase Cota comes in from the portal from UCLA, and he was like a solid, solid number two for Oregon. Chris Hudson looks like he was figuring out a little bit more. Uh, Dante Thornton had some flashes. So Junior Adams is a good coach. And I think he's looking at Gary Bryant Jr. And he sees a guy who he wanted when he was coming out of high school. Right. You know, we talk about relationships coming back into the picture, and that's part of what happened here with Gary Bryant Jr., who was recruiting him at Washington when he was coming out of high school, Junior Adams. So, Junior Adams is now at Oregon. We all know that. So, he's able to look back on a previous relationship and capitalize on it, which we're seeing countless coaches do in today's transfer portal era of college football. And now he sees Gary Bryant and can probably take him to the next level. So, I think with Gary Bryant Jr., the point that I'm trying to make here about kind of his evaluation and, and what he brings to the table is that it's not just a slot receiver. Um, it's not just, you know, so to speak, another Chris Hudson or another Tez Johnson kind of a guy. Um, you know, kind of has your standard frame at 5'11", 180. He weighs more than Tez Johnson, but maybe he's not as fast as Tez Johnson. So I think Chris Hudson's probably the most similar comparison that you can see from that standpoint. But I don't think that he is just a slot receiver. I think you can move him around the offense, you know, maybe have him out wide on the outside, maybe have him on the inside. When he was at USC, you saw him used a little bit out of the backfield, you know, on some, um, some motion plays, some uh, I'm trying to think of what, what it wasn't a boot necessarily, but he motioned in towards the quarterback and then kind of looped back out into the flat. And they kind of, they just found creative ways to get him involved. And I think if you can add another guy who can create, both before and after the catch, you know, as a good route runner and as a, a, a crafty, shifty guy, I think that's the kind of guy you want to add in your wide receiver room. 
And then another element that's 100% worth a mention with Gary Bryan Jr., this guy's a pretty good specialist. You know, if you're just looking at his stats in the kick return and punt return games, he returned 11 punts while he was at USC, but he returned 24 kickoffs while he was at USC, 24 kickoffs for 623 yards with a long of 62. As a freshman, he had a long of 56, and all those numbers averaged out to about 26 yards per return. So not crazy numbers, but he, he knows what he's doing. And I think that special teams were obviously an area that Oregon kind of came up short in, in 2022, right? Um, whether you're talking about punting or even, you know, in the return game, I don't think that the return units necessarily had a lot of drives where they were, you know, setting up or a lot of plays, I should say, where they set up the offense with like spectacular field position. Um, so if you add a guy like Gary Bryant to your team, now you're just kind of raising the floor, if you will, on your return teams, which I think is great. That's something that you want to do. You know, you've had guys like Troy Franklin, um, Seven McGee was a was a returner last year, but he's transferred to Jackson State. I think Chris Hudson was also involved, as was Chase Coda. So there, there's more value than just the wide receiver spot here with this Gary Bryant addition for the Ducks. And I know Joe Lorig has to be happy that Gary Bryant Jr. is is a, a weapon he can now utilize on special teams. So with this room at wide receiver for Oregon, it's an interesting conversation, right? Because we got into the spring, some guys were banged up. You saw a lot of guys transfer out, right? You saw um, some departures, you know, to graduation. You lose Chase Coda, you lose Dante Thornton to Tennessee. I think that's probably one of the most meaningful departures on offense. I think he's going to kill it at Tennessee. You see Seven McGee go to Jackson State. Uh, Isaiah Brevard hits the portal. Uh, Isaiah Crocker transfers. I want to say he went to Akron, but someone might have to double check on that one and let me know in the comments. But all of that to say that you saw quite a bit of movement at wide receiver, which is why the Ducks added a lot of guys at wide receiver. You know, they, they got Treshawn Holden from Alabama, and I really liked what I saw from him in the spring football game, especially because it looked like Bo Nix was kind of favoring Troy Franklin, but we still got to see a decent amount of Treshawn Holden getting involved. I think he moves really well as that bigger wide receiver, really physical, and he can also create a little bit. You know, he's not he's not a, a stiff athlete by any means. And then, so you saw those two additions from the portal. Now you add Bryant. You also added Ashton Kozar, an Under Armour, Under Armour All-American who enrolled early. Um, then you have Justice Lowe in that room as well. Kyler Casper, we're still kind of waiting for, for him to break out. He has a full offseason under his belt and is a guy that's generating some hype. You also have Josh Delgado in that room. But then you, you also have the best recruit in the entire 2023 class. Five-star wide receiver Jurion Dickey hasn't even arrived yet. So that's a guy that a lot of people think is going to be a dude from the second he steps on campus. I'm not sure. I think that that like right now in May, I'm not sure if I think that's the case. I wrote a story earlier in the week about how he's recovering from uh, a, from a knee surgery. So maybe that's going to kind of slow his transition from the high school level to the college level. But Jurion is a dude. Jurion is as gifted of a wide receiver as you'll find anywhere in the country. He was number two at his position, only to Zachariah Branch, who's going to USC. He played his ball at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. But Jurion Dickey is going to be a dude once that guy gets rolling. So you have all those pieces in place, and then you kind of find yourself asking, 
does Oregon need another wide receiver? You saw all these departures. They finally get under the 85 scholarship limit. And I don't think wide receiver is a position that comes to your mind when you're thinking about positions of need or, hey, we could probably, Oregon could probably use a little bit of depth there at that spot. I think you're thinking corner. I think you're thinking linebacker with departures like Keith Brown and um, Harrison Taggart to name a couple. But I think this addition makes sense. And I'm going to tell you why. This addition just shows the immediacy of college football, but more importantly, it shows the urgency that Dan Lanning and this Oregon coaching staff are attacking the portal with, the urgency that they are approaching the 2023 season with. I think it kind of changes pretty quickly, pretty often, but if you want to talk about a championship window, it's now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon is in that championship window right now. You have so many pieces in your favor, and chief among them is Bo Nix coming in at quarterback. Oregon hasn't been able to head into a season with a proven commodity at quarterback and an elite option at quarterback since Justin Herbert in 2019. And even when they had Justin Herbert, they weren't utilizing him to his full ability. I bet this Oregon coaching staff has looked at the film from 2019. They weren't here, obviously, but I bet they've thrown on that tape and they've said, man, I really wonder what they could have done if they really took Justin Herbert's game for what it was. And they just let that dude let it rip because he's letting it rip every Sunday for the Chargers. Bo Nix is back with Will Stein. And you know Will Stein wants to let Bo Nix just do his thing. And he wants to get Bo Nix as many weapons as possible. Will Stein said it right when he got to Oregon. And I think maybe it got, it, some people took it out of context. You know, plays are kind of overrated. It's about the players, right? Kind of uh, a la, it's, the, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and O's. You know, you can do everything you want to scheme up a perfect game. You can do everything you, can, you want to, to call the perfect plays. But at the end of the day, it's about the guys on the field. And you just got to give yourself elite options. And if there's guys that, you're willing, that are willing to come play for you, guys that are willing to compete, Gary Bryant knows all well the room that he's going into. I can promise you that. But he's a competitor. Which brings me back to another point. Remember when Tez Johnson committed to Oregon and then Bo Nix was asked about that in spring ball? He said, yeah, when Tez wanted to hop on board, I pulled out my phone and I texted Chris, texted Troy, texted that room, and they were all for it because 
they're all on board with going in this direction of getting Oregon their first national championship. So is Oregon's wide receiver room crowded? You betcha. But I don't think that's a bad thing because the best players, the guys who are really about it, about that action, they're willing to compete. They're willing to fight for that spot. And I think that's what this move says with Gary Bryant Jr. coming to Oregon. It's absolutely huge. I don't think it was a need necessarily is kind of the point I was trying to make, but this is good for Oregon football to get another, another really high level athlete um, and a guy that I think you can get involved in in a couple different ways, because now you got to think if you're a PAC 12 defensive coordinator and you're going to defend Oregon, you just have that fewer weak spots to kind of point out, you know, the depth is what's really improving here. Okay, Troy Franklin's the guy. He's pretty good. Well, what about this guy from Alabama? You know, he's pretty big too. I think we should probably try to make him a priority. But what about this crafty guy from, from Troy that not many people knew about who's a blazer and super, super fast, a speedster? Oh, he's pretty good too. And then, oh, they got that they got that 6'3", 215, five-star wide receiver, Jerion Dickey. I think he's pretty good too. Oh, and Gary Bryant. You see the point I'm making, right? Oregon's wide receiver room is loaded, absolutely loaded. I think at the start of spring ball, some people had some questions. I think I might have been in that in that crowd as well. But the more that we went throughout the spring, and remember Dan Lanning was saying, I feel good about the group that we have and some of the pieces that we have coming in. I think maybe Gary Bryant was part of that equation, right? Um, because they, they've been recruiting him since he entered the transfer portal uh, you know, pretty heavily. So... Oregon's wide receiver room has so many different ways that they can kind of, you know, attack you. You know, you have Troy Franklin's not the biggest guy, but he's definitely bulked up a little bit. You know, he's your top option. Then you have some, some bruisers, some really physical guys like, like Treshawn Holden, um, you know, Kyler Casper is still kind of trying to fill out that frame, but that's another big target, uh, you know, red zone type of guy. Right. And he can create with the ball in his hands as well. And then you have Chris Hudson, Tez Johnson and Gary Bryant, Jr. Justice Lowe. Ashton Kozar and, and Jurion Dickey, you know, that the names keep coming and I don't want to butcher that point, but I think that's really what this commitment means for Oregon is that they're not settling and that they're playing with a serious urgency to get to the playoff. And honestly, I think we can all agree getting to the playoff this year before it expands is more important than ever because it's going to mean less. I, you know, a lot of people want to talk about playoff expansion and where they stand on it. If you have more spots, if more teams can get into the playoff, I think just logically it's going to mean less because it means that it's easier. So if Oregon can get to the playoff this year and, you know, maybe get to the championship and you never know, I think that, that would be a huge statement before expansion. And it's the last year with USC and UCLA in the pack. So that's another part of it all. The last thing I want to talk about, and then we can get to what's next as we kind of start to wind down a little bit. Um, Junior Adams is just an elite recruiter. He's doing it in the high school ranks and he's doing it in the transfer portal. Um, and I think he's a guy who he did a pretty good job at, at Washington, right? With some of the names that they were able to bring in, right? Romo Dunze, uh, Jalen McMillan. Uh, those are kind of the two, two biggest names I know right now. Uh, Jeremy Bernard is, uh, was originally committed to junior Adams. And then he ended up going to, uh, Michigan State, excuse me, before he transferred back. But Junior Adams is a guy whose recruiting floor and his recruiting ceiling have been elevated tremendously. 
since he got to Oregon because you have that O behind you. And now he has that body of work from his first year at Oregon with guys like Chase Coda and Troy Franklin. And he's super connected and tapped in on the West coast. And Gary Bryant's just another example. Um, you know, the relationships, they're going to come back around, especially in today's era of the transfer portal to be valuable. So we see him tapping into a previous relationship when he recruited uh, Gary at Washington and it's paying off. And, you know, they already have Jordan Anderson, Tysir Denmark as two high, high level wide receivers in the fold here in 2024. And he's still going after some other big names. He's going after Ryan Pelham out of Long Beach Millican. He's going after Jeremiah McClellan out of uh, St. Louis Christian Brothers. He's going after James Madison II out of Powerhouse St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, there, there's more names that I could get into there. Those are just some that kind of stick out to me. He's going after Dylan Gresham and, and San Jacinto, another Southern California guy. So you just see the, the body of work that he continues to build. And Junior Adams is proving his worth time and time again, whether it's coaching on the field or whether it's hitting the trail, traveling all over the country to get difference makers and take this Oregon offense to the next level. So I'm a big junior Adams fan, and I think that he has been a tremendous hire for Dan Lanning. And it was a hire that I think was met with a little bit of scrutiny, right? I think uh, after you had Brian McClendon at Oregon and, and, you know, the recruiting that he was doing, getting Troy Franklin, getting Dante Thornton, getting Isaiah Brevard, three All-Americans in that 21 class, the bar was pretty high. But junior Adams stepped up to the plate, and he's crushing it. So now, what's next for Oregon when it comes to recruiting I'm going to talk about that right after I take this sip of water. What's next for Oregon recruiting? We're going to start with a couple names in the high school ranks, and then we're going to talk about a couple names in the portal, and then we'll get out of here. So I think the first guy that I want to talk about when it comes to what's next for Oregon recruiting in the high school ranks, he's a big name along the offensive line. I'm talking about four-star offensive tackle, Jacon McRoy, out of Pinson, Alabama, Clay Chalkville High School. He has 17 reported offers to his name, but like I said, four-star talent, number 166 player in the country, uh, according to the 247 Sports Composite, number 11 offensive tackle, and the number 10 player in the state of Alabama. Pinson, if you know about Oregon football, that's where they got Bo Nix, and that's where they got Tez Johnson. They both played their ball in Pinson, and this staff has been trying to get into the Southeast more and more, and the Ducks have been picking up some momentum, gaining some ground here with Jacob McRoy who loved his visit out to Eugene. I mean, what recruit doesn't love their visit out to Eugene? But, you know, I'm talking of some sources, and and the buzz behind Jacob McRoy and Oregon is real. Um, you know, that that's basically what I'm going to get into right now. I don't want to say too much, but this dude's all of 6'8". Uh, you know, he's listed at 365, so huge dude. But Oregon's looking for some big names along that offensive line. You know, Elite Terry's going after Jacob McRoy going after five-star Brandon Baker, but there, there's some buzz behind Jacob McRoy. So I'm, I'm trying to just make sure you guys know that Oregon has a realistic shot with this guy. I mean, he's all the way in Alabama. We've seen previous staffs try to do some work in Alabama, right? Um, the, the ducks had, uh, the ducks had a commitment from Tanner Bailey, uh, the 2022 quarterback out of, um, out of Gordo, Alabama, he ended up committing to South Carolina after the staff, uh, you know, left to go to Miami. So they have some work that they've done in Alabama. They, they got TJ Dudley out of um, Montgomery Catholic. He ended up going to Clemson after the staff left. So now they're pushing into Alabama 
once again. And you got some ties in Alabama, right? You got Tosh Lapoy, who coached at the University of Alabama. You got Carlos Lachlan, who's from Alabama. So there's a realistic shot here that the Ducks could be serious players for Jacob McRoy, who loved his visit. And then the Ducks are also going after uh, Jordan Ross, heavily number one player in the state of Alabama, five-star edge rusher out of Vestavia Hills in Birmingham. So I'm not predicting that Jacob McRoy is going to commit to Oregon. I'm just merely saying that you're seeing some of this buzz on social media with Oregon and Jacob McRoy. And after doing a bit of digging, it's real. So that's that's all I have to say about him. But he's a big name that you got to watch on the recruiting trail. Another one is Michael Van Buren. Uh, you know, he's someone that I, uh, you know, officially, you know, I don't know, officially is the right word, but uh, decided to put in a prediction for Michael Van Buren. You know, he's a, a All-American quarterback, Under Armour All-American quarterback at a Baltimore St. Francis Academy. Ducks just got his teammate, Ify Obadegwu, in the fold last weekend. So that's another feather in their cap about why they're in favorable position with Van Buren. They're in his top three, came out twice last month. Um, we saw Tosh Lapoy was in the DMV uh, earlier this week. I don't know for a fact if he stopped by St. Francis Academy or not, but I would wager that some member of the coaching staff probably stopped to check in on Michael Van Buren. Um, and the DMV is really becoming a talent hotbed that this staff is fully intent on you know, capitalizing on and trying to get these top guys. They struck out with Nicholas Harbor in 2023. What do you do? You get right back on the horse in 2024. You go after if after Ify Obadegwu. You go after Michael Van Buren. You go after Dylan Stewart out of Washington, D.C. And you just take your shot. Um, and, you know, you got Luke Moga, who's, you know, recruiting uh, Michael Van Buren on Twitter. He's already committed to Oregon. Uh, Moga is. And he's saying, hey, man, let's work. Uh, and you got other commits that are, um, you know, recruiting Van Buren as well. Obadegu is one of them who's done that on social media. Uh, Jordan Anderson has done it as well. So Michael Van Buren could be, is a major name to watch for Oregon here. He uh, has a commitment date for July 8th, I want to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if that date was a little bit flexible. And then two more names we got to talk about in the portal uh, you know, Ducks get Gary Bryant, so that's awesome for them. Um, but you miss out on Trey Amos, the, the Louisiana Lafayette transfer, uh, who committed to Alabama. But there's a couple of names that the Ducks are still actively involved with. Uh, one of them is a bit of a newer name. It's East Carolina transfer, East Carolina offensive line transfer, Nishad Strother, um, six foot three, 326 pounds on the East Carolina roster. He's a junior. Um, and the Ducks are involved here, which is interesting because you have a couple of injuries along the offensive line. Uh, the, the main one that I'm talking about, I don't know why I said couple, but the main one I'm talking about is Marcus Harper. The second he gets injured in spring ball and you're trying to make this a good offensive line after the last year's group only surrendered five sacks all year. Uh, so you bring in a Johnny Cornelius, you bring in junior angle out from the portal I don't think you really signed any guys in 2023 from the high school ranks that project to be early impact guys. So if you're looking for another guy that can kind of give you some depth or maybe compete along the offensive line, you look to the college ranks, you look to the transfer portal to maybe bring in a guy to play offensive line. Um, but the story with, with uh, Strother, Strother, I don't know how to say it. Sorry, Nishad Strother. I'm going to go with Strother for now. Um you know, he, he has most of his experience. I'm, I'm looking right now on their website. Um, 
I'm trying to see if he's an interior guy, but I don't think, I don't think it says, but you need, you know, maybe, maybe this, uh, maybe I'll leave Terry and the staff decided that they need a little bit more help along the offensive line. And they've, uh, they've tabbed uh, Nishad Strother, Strother, gosh, as, as an option. So as far as what's next, keep an eye out on Nishad Strother. Maybe we'll see, uh, maybe we'll see if he visits Oregon. Maybe I think he actually already has visited Oregon. Um, I have to, to double check there, but the point I'm making is that they're definitely involved here uh, with the transfer offensive lineman. And then the other name to maybe keep an eye on is Seydou Traore, uh, the now Colorado tight end transfer. Um, he played a couple years at Arkansas State, and then he transferred to Colorado, went through spring ball with Colorado, and then he said, eh, not for me, I'm out of here. And the Ducks are one of many teams that have extended a scholarship offer with uh, two, I should say, Seydou Traore, uh, who's originally from London, which is kind of a cool uh, cool deal. But he has some good production in the 2022 season, caught 50 passes for 655 yards and four touchdowns, which isn't necessarily something you're getting passing game production with Casey Kelly, the old Miss tight end transfer that the Ducks landed. So I think that you're trying to shore up that depth a little bit in, in Drew Maringer's room by pursuing a guy like Seydou Traore. Um, and, and I think he's definitely one of the better options at tight end that is available in the transfer portal. So keep an eye out there as the Ducks are involved and actively looking for another tight end and uh, looks like another offensive lineman possibly. So that's what we have for you on this day, on today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. If you guys want to find more of me, tap in with me on Twitter and Instagram at Sports. that name right there on your screen if you're watching us on YouTube, and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. We got live streams all the time. We got mailbags trying to keep you guys up to date on all things Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting. Um, and then speaking of that, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel and then hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on future videos. And then you can find all my written work covering Oregon football and recruiting on ducksdigest.com. But that's all I have for you guys on today's episode. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk some duck football with me. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.